Establishing that posture that allows you to be relaxed in the body. Yet alert in the mind, ready. opening the attention first to receive the sounds that are arising and passing away in the environment. Pleasant or unpleasant sounds. Noticing the sounds with the awareness of hearing. Noticing the easefulness with which we can simply receive and be aware of hearing. Bringing that same easeful awareness to the body. Receiving the sensations that arise and pass away in the body. At the perimeter of the body or deep within. Wherever the sensations are most predominant. simply receiving with bare attention. And then gathering the attention, bringing it to that place where you experience the breath most clearly, your primary anchor most clearly. Having the same kind of receptive awareness to the primary anchor of the breath. Allowing the breath to be natural without contriving it in any way, controlling it, without controlling it. And labeling whenever you find it helpful. At the beginning of the in-breath, labeling it in or rising. Staying connected to that, to the very end of the in-breath. And then the out-breath, labeling out or falling. Continuing your connection with the breath with bare attention.
The primary anchor is a place where we can tether our attention so that our attention can return to some place that is easeful, clear. So that we can return home to the breath, the primary anchor. Whenever we're feeling lost, confused, or we don't know which object to pay attention to, knowing clearly the primary anchor is an important part of our practice. But being with the breath is not the end-all and be-all of our practice. It is simply a place to come home to, to return to. Being with the primary anchor of the breath sharpens the attention, steadies the attention, develops some concentration. And then we bring that steadiness, that sharpness, and that concentration to whatever object arises in the field of attention. So today, opening first to the objects that arise in the body, the sensations of the body, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, opening our attention to whatever sensation is predominant in the body. At this time in the retreat especially, it may be painful sensations, pain in the knee, in the back. Wherever it is, whatever the predominant sensation is, allowing the attention to fully leave the breath not needing to hang on. And then open fully to the sensation in the body. Noticing and noting whatever that experience is, noting it with bare attention. It may be a tingling, a tickling, a heaviness, a sharpness, roughness, smoothness stabbing, darting, heat, coolness. Noticing very directly whatever is going on. Not just noting it as pain, but more directly, however it is experienced. Heat, cool, sharpness, heaviness. Noticing if it stays still or if it's moving around. Not analyzing it, but simply being directly with it, with bare attention, mindfulness. Allowing the attention around it, especially if it's very painful. Allowing the attention to be soft not needing to go directly into the center of that painful sensation, 
but sometimes allowing the attention to hover around it, to be with it in a gentle way, as long as it's predominant. During the times that it is not predominant, allowing the attention to return to the primary anchor of the breath. Whenever the attention opens to anything else, to the thinking process, let go of the thinking and return to the breath. If it goes to sounds, note hearing, hearing, as long as it's predominant, then return to the breath. Keep the primary anchor as a place to come home to, but we don't need to hang on to it. Whenever there is a more predominant object, you can let go of the breath, open to whatever is calling the attention, noticing it as long as it's predominant, then returning to the breath. maintaining a compassionate yet alert awareness moment to moment. Um, deepen their awareness by focusing on a smaller area. Does that also work in walking meditation? The comment is that you can he's heard that you can <coughs> deepen your awareness by focusing on a smaller area. And does it also happen in walking? <clears throat> There's a time and place for focusing on narrow objects or wide objects. Both can actually deepen our concentration and through deeper concentration open to greater wisdom. If your attention is very scattered, uh, restless, uh, dispersed, then I would recommend focusing on a smaller area. In the, in, the, in the sitting, you might just focus on a very small area of the nostrils or a narrower area in the abdomen. In the walking, if you're really scattered, then I would, would really, uh, you might just use the sole of your foot. Generally, I would say let your attention float in the body, but notice particularly from the waist down anything that's happening in the walking practice. If, on the other hand, you find that you're very tense, that the mind is kind of brittle, it's kind of tight, there's a little bit of struggling or striving, or just kind of trying to get it, or you're, you're kind of you're trying to uh, hold the mind from going anywhere, then I would say relax. Let your attention uh, focus on a wider object, a bigger experience. Hmm? So in the sitting practice, if you find you're really getting tight and contracted, then just take the whole body as a sitting posture. 
feel the whole body rather than just focusing on a little place of the breath. Same in the walking. If you find that you're really tight and constricted and there's a, there's a, a sense of being not very much space in the mind, then to open and maybe do the just feel the whole body or there's another walking practice that we sometimes give which allows you to stay more connected with the environment if you get too tight. But either one can deepen um, the concentration. Concentration deepens due to the continuity of attention, not the size of the object you're paying attention to. So that if your attention is more continuous, moment to moment to moment to moment, the concentration or the stillness of the mind, the stillness of the attention, becomes greater. Narrowness of object or wideness of object uh, isn't really a measure of concentration. Sleepiness? Um, in the first couple of days, you can expect the mind to alternate between sleepiness and restlessness. Uh, you might really be tired, need to kind of let the body catch up with the sleep it needs. Um, sometimes it can be an over-tranquilized mind, <coughs> meaning too much sitting, uh, too narrow a focus, um, too subtle an object to pay attention to, and that can lead to sinking mind or a kind of, you know, just kind of drifty, dreamy, uh, dull state. In that case, I would open your attention to hearing, uh, move your attention through uh, many touch points in the body, keep your mind active, uh, open your eyes, stand up, walk faster. Any of those? In the first couple of days, there's a lot of um, techniquing. You know, we use, we, we listen to get all the instructions and apply all the techniques and try to get the right technique for the right, uh, for whatever condition you're experiencing. And that's, it's good. It's good to get, uh, you know, um, uh, knowledgeable of what's available to work with the different states of mind that come up. Um, and at this part of the retreat, it's really appropriate to, you know, uh, sharpen your uh, meditator's tools, so to speak. Later, we'll try to get you to let go of techniques. But for now, it's good. Lee. Oh, Lee, sorry, I can't. You might have to raise your hand a little higher. Some, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. becomes more expansive. Right. The comment is 
that when she focuses or when she notices she's, that she is very focused on the breath, she becomes aware of more things, as if the attention becomes expansive or panoramic. And in fact, that sometimes happens. Uh, not always, but sometimes it does happen that uh, the mindfulness uh, is mature. It's, it's, it's not a forced mindfulness. It's not a willful mindfulness. It's, a, it's an easeful mindfulness. And the field of attention expands. We call it panoramic uh, mindfulness. Just notice that. Uh, you don't have to go tracking or you don't have to go after and note the other stuff that you're aware of. Just be aware that you're noticing, you, know, you are paying attention to the breath, but you're noticing all these other things. That's fine, just notice that. Um, it may happen and sometimes and it may not at other times. Yeah. Rich. Um, I'm getting real rigid and aversive and angry about the pain in my left leg. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really distracting. And um, I've been trying to go to the breath to anchor, but mm-hmm. um, the pain keeps drawing me back, and then I get find myself rigid around that. Right. So the comment is uh, the discomfort in the body, in the, in the leg, is intense enough <laughs> Uh, to distract, to take you away from the breath, the primary object, and that you're getting tight and rigid and contracted around it. Um, Because you've practiced a little bit, you're not a a brand new beginner, I'm going to say, for you, you should actually let go of the breath and really work with that area of discomfort in the body. Really try to relax, try to recognize that you have this I don't like it comment in the mind, and see if you can acknowledge that, not condemn yourself for being averse. Just say, this is, a, this is the conditioning. When something's unpleasant, we don't like it. We try to get rid of it. We try to get away from it. We, we just try to nuke it, something. Just know that that's there. And then relax the mind. Relax the body. And see if you can actually bring your attention to touch the discomfort the actual area, the place, the pinpoint place of that sensation. It may be very intense. So you want to watch your energy. If you have mental energy, you'll be able to play with that discomfort. You'll be able to get closed, back off, try the sides, go jump in, pull back, you know, and just kind of uh, let your attention massage that area of the body just to see what's going on there. If you find yourself uh, getting tired, getting averse, getting really, then your, your mental energy is, is, is weakening. And when we don't have mental energy, we cannot be with pain or discomfort or intense sensations in a balanced way. Then I would say, shift your posture. Do it mindfully. Shift your posture. Get some relief. Begin again with your primary object and, and do that. And this goes with any any of you working with any area of physical pain in the body. If you have, if your attention keeps getting called to that part of the body because it's intense, then let your attention leave the breath, go to that area and be with it. 
relax, be with it, see, explore, see if you can approach that area of discomfort with some curiosity, some kind of freshness of mind to what's really going on there. Where in the body is it? What's the quality of the discomfort? Is it hardness, tightness, tension, pulling, stabbing, ripping? What is it? What happens to it when you pay attention to it? Does it get stronger? Does it get weaker? Does it fade away gradually? Does it stop abruptly? Does it change location? Notice really what's going on there. If, on the other hand, you don't have much mental energy, you're sluggish, you're tired, or you find yourself just really averse, uh, trying to get rid of it, or trying to figure it out, or trying to fix it, then acknowledge the aversion and see if you can let that go. If you can, then go back and be with the discomfort. If you can, and it's really just got you contracted and jammed up, then shift your posture, get some relief, begin again. Any kind of pain. Yeah, Chaitanya. In times of stillness, is it necessary to keep labeling stillness, or is it enough to know stillness and only recognize or label a change? <clears throat> well, I think you all heard the question in stillness, do you need to keep knowing, noting, or just noticing? If you can if the stillness is such that there is awareness of it, still and quiet and subtle, whatever it is, and there's awareness of it, then you don't need to note it, you don't need to label it, you're just, you're just with it. On the other hand, if you find yourself getting entranced, entrained, absorbed, or kind of enmeshed in it, then you need to heighten your perception by recognizing again a little more firmly, a little more strongly, stillness or steadiness or calmness or whatever it is. If it changes, of course, just note that. Yeah. Um, today, you might have noticed at breakfast that we put on the bulletin board um, a list of the interviews or the check-in times today and who we'll be seeing today and who we'll be seeing tomorrow. Uh, you all should be on the list. If you're not, then uh, we don't have an interview sheet for you. So please look at the list <clears throat> and see when you are. Uh, we've given you each 15 minutes uh, to report to either Kamala or I, and most of you will be seeing uh, one of us today and the other one in two days. So every other day you'll be having interviews. Uh, Kamala does her interviews on the porch of the cottage over here. I do my interviews under the mac nut trees down here by the hammock. Um, you each have 15 minutes. Please, please try to be on time. Look and see when your time is and come. Uh, if you have an interview during a regularly scheduled sitting period, please stay outside the hall, not get up and leave. And if you finish your interview, not come back into the hall. Let that 45-minute period be still here. At the 45-minute single bell, some people will leave, and if you are outside, then you can come in and then leave it at that. About the reporting, we give the instructions. They're pretty generic. Each of you hear the instructions <coughs> in your own way, and you apply them, and you have your own experience. If you can tell us what that experience is, both in the sitting and the walking, then we can give you more refined instruction 
or we can give you a way of understanding what's going on that allows your practice to progress, to move. What we'd like to ask you to tell us in the check-ins is just what's going on right here, right now. We know some of you very well, and some of you don't, we don't know at all. Your personal history is really not important here. It's important to you, and it's important to us, too, in ordinary human relationship way. But in terms of the practice and how you're doing the practice and the depth of mind that you'll get through your practice, personal history is not really important. So if you can tell us about your actual experience in sitting, your actual experience in walking, both with the primary object, the breath, the stepping, and other objects, secondary objects, uh, dealing with pain or dealing with sleepiness or dealing with stillness or dealing with uh, the thoughts in the mind. Tell us what's going on there. Sometimes we like to also ask you to report on your high and your low. Your, your best sitting, whatever that is for you, whatever the best sitting is for you. It, it, might, uh, it might not be a pleasant, but it might be the best sitting where there's really good clarity or continuity of your attention. And then also the most difficult, the most challenging, the most um, the low, the low point of your practice over the last 24 or 48 hours. And just to let us know, oh, this is where I'm really struggling. This is where I have a lot of doubt. This is where I can't, can't get it together. I fall asleep or struggling some way. Because if you can tell us the, the peak and the trough, uh, that's the cutting edge of your practice. That's, that's, that's the place where you're just opening, where the mind is just opening to new terrain. Everything in between you've been over many times. You know, as you go up and down like this, the middle ground gets covered really well. You don't need any help with that. You know, practice goes like that. It never goes high-er. <laughs> it doesn't. Don't look for it. Don't expect it. It goes high-down. Okay? Up-down, up-down. It comes together, falls apart. It comes together, falls apart. Expect it. There's no problem. It's not a fault. It's not, you know, no, you're not doing it wrong if suddenly your practice collapses and you can't do anything. You can't be mindful. That's the way the mind is. So just tell us about that. The peak and the trough is the cutting edge of your practice. That's where we can give you instructions that's most helpful. Any questions about that? Instructions for checking in? Okay. Did you want to say something? Mm -hmm. Okay. I have, a request about, I have a request about the time. Um, it would be helpful for me if you would pay attention to the 15 minutes of your timing uh, when you come to see me. I have a little harder time of keeping time. Um, I have a little harder time of saying, okay, your time is up. So please watch it for yourself so we can stay on time and the yogis behind you don't uh, feel that they're shortchanged. Um, also, about the kitchen, during this second sitting that we're going to have, it's a time when the kitchen's going to be busy, so please expect that. We really do our best throughout the retreat to keep the kitchen quiet during special times, so a lot of the activity in the kitchen 
we um, actually revolves around the sitting. We don't uh, let things happen in the kitchen during most of the sitting times, but this next sitting, it's necessary. So two things regarding that. Those uh, retreatants working in the kitchen during the next sitting time, if there are any, I'm not sure, please uh, really be as quiet as you can be for the sake of all. And also for those of you who are sitting, it's a good time to practice including the noises in the kitchen in your practice. This really is good practice because it prevents the mind from getting stiff and brittle. If you just know to include it, then your mind stays pliable and spacious rather than, you know, it shouldn't be happening and, you know, keeping a stiff mind. So it's a good practice for unbrittling the mind. So those two things. Okay. Have a good day of practice. Again, <coughs> Again settling into your balanced sitting posture, <clears throat> finding that place of natural stillness where you feel relaxed and alert. <coughs> Noticing the sounds that occur around us. the sensations that arise in the body and letting the thoughts in the mind recede into the background. Establish continuity of awareness of the breath at the place of your primary object Check to see that you're actually connecting with the experience of the breath. Actually feeling the movements in the abdomen or the chest or the sensations at the nostril. And then sustain your attention for as long as the in-breath lasts. Connect with the beginning of the out-breath. Sustain your attention on it for as long as the outbreath lasts. The sustaining of the attention is important to know clearly the nature of the breath. You may be aware of other experiences in the body or the environment. Just let them be in the background without attending to them, without noticing them. <clears throat> Just let them be there. Use the mental label to note the in-breath, the out-breath, 
know that you're breathing in, feeling these sensations. <coughs> know that you're breathing out, feeling those sensations. The effort is to connect your attention to the beginning of the breath and to sustain it. And when you discover that you've been lost in thought or forgetful or spaced out, to be willing to begin again. We don't need to judge our practice for how long we've wandered in thought or how many times we've lost track of the breath, this will happen. Be willing to begin again each time you discover you've been drifting or spaced out. Work primarily with your primary object, the breath. Coming back to the breath each time you've been lost in thought. When your attention is called to strong sensation in the body, leave the breath. Turn your attention fully to that area of sensation. See if you can connect with it, carefully feeling the nature of the sensations there, the precise location, and notice what happens to it as you observe it as you're with it? Does it get stronger, more intense? Does it gradually fade away? Does it change location or quality? When you sustain your attention on the area of intense sensation, you will know what happens to it. Connect and sustain your attention for as long as the sensations call your attention. If you lose interest or the sensations are no longer predominant, then come back to the breath. Today we also want to begin to notice which of the hindrances might be arising in the mind. To recognize these five qualities sleepiness or dullness, restlessness or anxiety and worry, aversion of any kind, irritation, anger, frustration, disappointment, all forms of aversion, or maybe desire, wanting mind, wanting things to be different, yearning for, looking for something, and doubt a confused perplexity, wondering what to do, why bother, questioning in the mind. Begin to recognize these five visitors to the mind that obscure the present moment. Let them become the object of your attention. Noticing when sleepiness, restlessness, aversion, desire, or doubt are present. Notice what happens to it. Does it last? 
Does it stop abruptly? How does it make the body feel? Where do you feel it in the body? When the hindrance is no longer commanding your attention or coloring your (coughs) perception, come back to the breath. Reconnect and sustain your attention on the simplicity of your primary object without comment, control, or any other agenda. Just to notice, oh, this is the way it is right now. Breathing in is like this. Breathing out is like that. Be as continuous as possible without struggling. Notice what you can. Begin again. So the question is, how do we know when it's important to investigate something or to let it go? Hmm? If something is calling your attention where it has become the predominant object in your field of awareness, sensations in the body or insistent thoughts or strong emotion, then you leave the primary object of breath and you go to that experience. You turn your attention fully to it. In the turning your attention to it, you connect with it, you actually feel it, you, 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 you feel the quality of that experience, physical or mental, emotional, whatever it is. That's investigation. That in itself is investigation. Sometimes you will see that it automatically changes or it fades away, it disappears, it no longer is interesting. As soon as you get there, it drops off the screen. That is just noticing that it's impermanent, not particularly letting go. Sometimes thoughts will arise or fantasy will arise or an image will arise, and you can see that you have a choice. You can hang out there and you can just kind of like, yeah, let me, let me play with this thought for a while. Let me, you know, that, that's hanging on. And you can sometimes willfully say, not now. Consciously, willfully, intentionally, let it go. Okay? There are other times when um, thoughts or memories or emotions or whatever, fantasies, come up. And you can't say, <laughs> let it go. You might want to let it go, but it won't let you go. You know? And this is really the this is the this is the this is the the, the nut of practice. We have enough mindfulness to begin to see that this is the this is going on. This is our habit. This is this is these are our obsessions, these are our uh, habitual stuff. But we don't have enough wisdom to actually let go. And it's not willful. At that point, all you can do is stay with it, note it for as long as it's predominant. Right? Investigate it, be with it, feel it, get closed, back off, do all that that you can do. That's investigating. 
you can't let go even if you wanted to. Because the depth of your wisdom is not sharp enough yet. It's not deep enough yet to let go. And so you just have to kind of endure it, really. But endure it with awareness and attention and energy and interest. In time, your, your insight uh, will deepen and you'll be able to see this experience end, whatever it is. Uh, then that's letting go through insight, not through intention. That's, that's the place of practice. Any hindrances today? <laughs> can you note them? Can you can you recognize them? <coughs> you know, you might recognize. Oh, yeah, here it is. When you recognize one of the hindrances, be attentive to not act it out as much as possible. To just wait a minute, just recognize that there's this hindrance, this this state of mind has arisen desire or aversion or whatever sleepiness, restlessness, and just understand that there's nothing wrong with your practice right then. That's the very nature of practice. Noticing what's happening. Then just note it. Aversion or disliking or dullness, sleepiness, sleepiness, restlessness, restlessness, restlessness. You just keep noting it. And feel it. Feel what it feels like. Open to it. See if you can be with it. It won't last forever. Your task is to be with it as long as it is the predominant experience. Recognize it, exercise some restraint, not acting it out. Reframe your understanding that this is the place of practice. And then connect with it, sustain your attention, be with it. Yeah, Bruce. If the hindrance comes up, yeah. <coughs> I can choose not to go with the hindrance, but I also hear that I can learn by paying attention to the hindrance. Yes. So the comment is, <laughs> so, he hears two things. When a hindrance comes up, not to go with it, but on the other hand, to learn from it. Hmm? Right. Okay. How do you do both? At that it's a good question, because practice is the place right in between the two, where the stuff comes up, and without awareness, we would just indulge in it. You know, we would just get caught in our version, and we'd be ranting on about something, or we'd be just kind of proliferating the fantasy to sustain the desire, or we'd just be kind of fidgety, restless, or whatever it is. We'd just be indulging in it. If we can add the element of awareness of that, then we're not cutting it off. We're not denying it. We're not dismissing it. We're not pushing it away. We're saying, it's there, I'm aware of it, and I'm not going to indulge in it. The other, the other side would be to push it away, to deny it, to cut it off, to, be, to get rid of it either indulging or getting rid of. Practice is right in the middle. You don't indulge, you don't get rid of, 
you acknowledge that it's there and you see what happens to it as you pay as you are aware of it it's right in between the kind of the objective push it away and the subjective indulgence is this place of awareness let it be let it be and be aware of it it will go through its changes it'll do its thing you know it'll proliferate thoughts it'll get stronger it'll get weaker it'll you know da 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 and fairly soon actually it will lose its steam, so to speak. Our task is to just be with it, to, to endure it if we must, but to not act it out and to just try to be aware of it. How long does desire, you know, you get this thought of desire, you want something, you just get churning. How long does desire last? If you don't deny it, if you don't cut it off, and you don't feed it, you just watch it. It doesn't last very long. We, we get bored really quick with it, really. <laughs> we'll just say, God, if I, can't, if I can't fulfill this desire, I lose interest in it. Really. And if we don't keep the story going with our aversion, but we say, wait a minute, wait, I'm just going to step back. I know that I'm really caught in angry irritation, whatever. Be with it. What's it feel like in the body? It doesn't last long. But it's a, it's a fine balance between indulging in something or cutting it off and just staying in the middle where you stay aware. You allow it to be there without encouraging it or dismissing it. You just notice it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Would you talk about sleepiness? Because it feels like it does last forever. <laughs> <laughs> sleepiness, the one hindrance that lasts forever. <laughs> Well, if it's any consolation, sleepiness is one of the last uh, obscurations of the mind to be uprooted. You know, <coughs> you, you got to wait till you get to be uh, fourth state, fully enlightened, arahant, whatever, before you finally put aside sleepiness. So it does last, but in any moment of experiencing sleepiness, there's a couple things you can do. One is just Keep the noting really loud. <laughs> yeah. Dullness, sleepiness, really sleepy. Just really being sleepy. You're just, I'm really sleepy. Okay, and you just really, and just do that, and just see what that's like. Just see how long it lasts. You might have to sit a whole sitting like that, or several. <laughs> Get up and walk in between, but. Sometimes, and I've had this happen, and I'm sure others of you had, you're dull, you're sleepy, you're dull, you're noting, you're noting, you're noting. And in a single instant, a single note, it's completely gone and you're totally alert, as if, what was that all about? <laughs> it's just, sleepiness comes due to conditions. When those conditions change, sleepiness will leave. Our task is to wait till the conditions change. To be with it, to just be with conditions as they unfold. If sleepiness is here, be with it. Now, if you're going under, you know what I mean? You're really, you're going under. Stand up, open your eyes, stand up, pull your earlobes, rub your limbs, walk faster, 
whatever you have to do. Start reciting the chant to yourself. You know, any of those things to, to keep yourself awake. And then the, the, the supreme test of your practice is take your mindfulness into sleepiness. Don't struggle against it. Don't push it away. Don't try to stay awake. Just stay mindful of it. And so you're sleeping. And the body's collapsed. And the mind is getting really soft and fuzzy. And the body's so pleasant and comfortable. And you're just going into it. And you're just saying, it's comfortable, soft, pleasant, wow. Soft, pleasant. <laughs> you know, and you just, just take your mindfulness into it as far as you can. Play with it that way. It's fascinating. You know, the mental terrain between fully awake and deeply asleep is fascinating. It's unbelievable what's in there. I mean, it's just... And mostly we say, I'm either awake or asleep. And if I'm asleep, I'm not mindful, and I'm awake, I'm trying to be mindful. Most of our time is spent somewhere in between there. A lot of time, I won't say most, but a lot of time is in those in-between states. Dreaming, you know, half awake, half asleep, dull, you know, and, and it, it's just... Wow. Don Juan and Carlos have nothing to compare to the mind in between fully awake and fully asleep. Um, well, last question. Yeah. I found my, found myself very attached to figuring out the hindrance and yeah. real excited, like it's a new game. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sleeping, ding, 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 you know, winner. And so, <laughs> so I didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> okay. Excitement over the new game of name that hindrance. Uh, if the excitement keeps you awake and, and puts aside sleepiness, great. Just note excitement. The excitement is extra. You don't really need that, but if it comes, that's okay. You know, just note the excitement. It is. It can be exciting to watch the mind to just to get really fascinated with. Here's this mind. It's going on doing this. It's, it's just kind of displaying for us continually something. And if you can get that kind of interested curiosity, nothing can stop you. You just fascination. Great. But note this excitement, the fascination, and name the hindrance and fine. If it's confusing as to what hindrance and you're kind of figuring it out, don't try to figure out. Just note, oh, that's figuring out. Just, you're getting caught in figuring out, okay, figuring out. If you know something's going on, but you don't know what, just go, something. <laughs> <laughs> something, something. Eventually it'll become clear what it is. <laughs> like that. Again, settle back into the body, <clears throat> letting your attention be open and receptive.
connecting and sustaining your attention on the primary object <coughs> of the breath. Without controlling or adjusting, just noticing. Breathing in is like this, breathing out is like that. The sensations and movements being known effortlessly without any struggle or any agenda, just noticing. When your attention is called away from the breath to sounds, note hearing to other strong sensations in the body. Let your attention be with them fully. Receive them and acknowledge areas of discomfort or tension or tightness. When they no longer command your attention, return to the breath. Noticing also the hindrances that we spoke about the other day. When the mind is lost in thoughts of desire, aversion, doubt, or just dull or restless, recognize these states of mind, hindrances. Note them, be with them. Feel their unique characteristic, how it feels in the body, where it's located, what happens to it when you notice it. What's the quality of thought that each of these hindering filters on the mind proliferate? Be attentive to the whole range of thoughts, the habitual monologues of the mind that we're so familiar with we don't recognize. Commenting, judging, planning, figuring out, fixing, narrating, rehearsing, When you notice that you're thinking, recognize the quality of thoughts. Without judgment, notice what happens to them when you recognize that you're thinking. Does the train of thought stop? Does it gradually fade away? Does it continue? Does the topic change? Note thinking in order to know it clearly, not to get rid of them. Just as the eyes see, the ears hear, the nose smells, so too the mind thinks. Notice the thinking. Note it. What happens to it?
you establish the continuity of your attention with the primary object, the breath. Whenever you discover you've been spaced out, spaced in, lost in thought, forgetful, acknowledge that. Recognize the quality of thought, if possible, then return to the breath. Thoughts are not the enemy. Not recognizing them is. So just recognize your thoughts. Disentangle yourself as and when you can. Settle back in the present moment. Open to the breath, the body, the sounds in the environment. Let whatever appears in your mind be known, noticed, noted, and let go of. Be persistent in your recognition of what's happening and be patient with the repetitive nature of the mind. Any questions today? <clears throat> yeah, Shani. I have um, some repetitive subjects in my mind <coughs> that um, cause um, repetitive sensations in my body. I mean, it's just the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I note the thinking. I'm f- it's real familiar. Then I note the sensations, um, and I've explored them. And sometimes they dissipate, and sometimes they get more intense. And it just seems to be the same thing. So, do I continue to investigate, or do I just go oh, enough already <laughs> and go back to my breath? Uh, I think you all un- heard the comment, repetitive uh, thinking, and I think you mean it comes back many times during a sitting. You note it and you leave it, or it goes away. And or through the course of the day. Through the course of a day. Break yeah. For a couple of days, and yeah. There it is again. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple ways of understanding repetitive uh, content. Um, <clears throat> A rule of thumb that we use in dealing with repetitive content is to understand that it's coming from something. Something is conditioning these thoughts over and over and over and over again. They don't just plop out of thin air. They are conditioned to arise. When we see the conditions, then that's what we pay attention to. So if thoughts are, content is repetitively coming, often we have not yet 
seen or acknowledged everything that's going on there. And sometimes the thoughts are springing from or are conditioned by a pool of emotion. I'll give you a really simple example. It might speak to what you're talking about. It might not. We might find that we're planning all the time. We're just planning, planning, planning. And we note the planning. And we note the planning and we note all of <laughs> everything about it, the colors, the shapes, people, the events, and, all. and we, we note it and we feel the sensations and, okay, we put it aside or it leaves. And three minutes later, there it is again. Boom, in your mind. Well, one way of getting a handle on what may be conditioning the planning is to ask yourself the question, not in a discursive thinking way, but as a way of just opening to what else is going on there, is just ask yourself, what else is going on here? What has not yet been acknowledged here? And then just sit there with it. You know the obvious stuff. You know these sensations, these, this content, and this, da, 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 these emotions. But not focusing on that, ask yourself, what else is going on here? What have I not yet acknowledged? And then just sit in the stillness and see what emerges. So that's one way of doing it. Um, it's not unexpected, is it, that the mind repeats. I mean, we know that the mind is repetitive, and we've been cultivating a repetitive mind for years. So it's, it's not unexpected that it's going to repeat. So one way of cutting it is to do that. Um, you can also note the thinking, note the planning, note the emotion, note the sensations, note it for a while, and then turn your attention away from it back to your primary object, the breath, and stay with the breath. Really, really stay with the breath. Really make a, uh, a little m uh, more effort to be continuous on the breath. Sometimes what happens, we get at a certain level of concentratedness of the mind, meaning a certain frequency of noting, of mindfulness, we see all that can be seen with that degree of concentration. But still, we haven't seen everything. And so the only way we're going to see what else is there is to become more concentrated. And the way to do that is to sharpen your concentration, deepen your concentration by working more continuously with the primary object exclusively. That doesn't always work, but that is one way of also uh, really refining your attention really working with the subtleties of being with the breath and just the moment-to-momentness of it, more exquisitely precise with the breath, then you can sometimes see more of what's going on in the situation that you're talking about, the repetitive uh, stuff. That's another way of dealing with it. If, a, a third way, if something is just so repetitive and you've looked at it and you've done everything you can, you know it inside out, and da 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 Ignore it. <laughs> let, let it be in the background. It's there. You're familiar with it. It's, you, rather than focusing on it and kind of magnifying it, let it be there. A little bit of uh, it's something like multitasking or dual tracking. Uh, 
note the other thing that's going on at the same time. You can try that. Yeah. Um, over the last day, I found myself really lost in um, feelings of futility and hopelessness about um, what was happening in my practice. Yeah. But getting totally lost, like not actually recognizing the mental state and actually believing yeah. the content of, you know, there's no point, this is hopeless. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's a. I just wondered. I'm, I'm modding it right now, but yeah. I'm sure it'll come back. Okay. So the. I just wondered how much I'm quite so lost. Like, I'd be so recognizing. Yeah. But there wasn't able to note hopelessness, really. Yeah. Or occasionally. Yeah. But I just totally believe in that. Yeah. She's n- acknowledging that over the past couple of days, she has spent periods of time totally lost in hopelessness despair. Did you say worthlessness? Futility. Futility. <laughs> oh, hey. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, that's next week. <laughs> okay. Futility, hopelessness, despairing. Oh, what's the purpose? Why bother? All that. First, when you're lost in it, you can't do anything about it. You really can't. You cannot do anything about it. All you can do is just be in it and you see how much suffering it really is. Now when you either come out of it or when you get a little bit of space where you can acknowledge it, then you want to acknowledge it and investigate it just like any other experience. What does it feel like? Uh, Be careful to not try to get rid of it. Because in the trying to get rid of it, it's grabbing onto it, really. So we want to be careful to acknowledge this is really unpleasant and maybe that's all you can acknowledge you can't you can't really acknowledge that there's this hopelessness or this futility it's just there's a really unpleasant mental condition happening just note unpleasant just be with this is really i don't know what it is i can't do anything about it okay when you're lost you can't do anything about it though when you're really in it Um, when you, with hindsight, recognize, oh, I was really caught there, take just a moment, not really dwelling and thinking about it, but just a moment to acknowledge what that was. Oh, that, that was really despair. That was hopelessness. That was whatever. Hmm? And then just proceed with whatever's happening predominantly then. Um, Like doubt. Hopelessness, despair, futility, doubt, when they're present and we can get a glimpse of them, we can begin to recognize them, they so undermine our intention to practice that we almost for sure will believe them. Almost for sure will believe them. Until we start to get familiar. Once we get familiar with them, then Okay, they come due to conditions and we're familiar, we recognize them, the feeling is still there, the thoughts are still there, but we are not a hundred percent buying into them. But initially, when we first open to this level of stuff in the mind, and for you it might be futility and hopelessness about the practice. For someone else it's futility and hopelessness about a relationship in their life or a condition that they're living with. 
whatever. When we reach the level, the, the, the pool of hopelessness, despair, and futility, it's, it's the same. It doesn't really matter what the content is. It's difficult to see. It's really, un- it, we, 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 we can't believe that we can be mindful of that. Open to it, feel it, allow it. I don't want to say enjoy, but be with it. Yeah, we can. But it's really unpleasant just to, yeah. Bruce? question is about sleepiness and Bruce is using metta to kind of arouse some energy. Drifting off. Drifting off. Uh, particularly with sleepiness, sleepiness is an imbalance of energy. It's a low energy. And so whatever antidote you're going to use with sleepiness, it's going to involve raising the energy. And in that, it is going to be overcoming, putting aside, or obscuring the effects of sleepiness. And so you might feel like you're pushing it away. You're doing something to get rid of it, to push it away. To that doesn't have to be your intention. You can be intending to really be energetically loving metta. <clears throat> if you have aversion, I don't like this feeling of sleepiness, I really want to get rid of it, then that's aversion. Well, it's kind of like, I'm going to... T- I'm I'm going to overpower this sleepiness. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's determination. That's real strong intention and determination. And that's <laughs> it gets to be fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. This is this is warrior energy. It's like I am not going to succumb to sleepiness. And you know, and and in the Buddhist, in, in some of the Buddhist t- texts, he says, you grit your teeth, you clench your jaw, you push your tongue to the top of your mouth, and you no vigorously. That's, that's what the Buddha said. You're doing good. <laughs> Who would have believed the Buddha? Gentle, kind, compassionate soul that he was. <laughs> I'll speak tonight about the different kinds of energy that we want to be working with in, in practice. One of them is that warrior type of fierce determination, but that's only one of them. <laughs> yeah. Fear. Yeah. Fear. Fear is a form of aversion. Well, let's look at fear. What happens? Something's happening, and we go. You know, we withdraw. 
We, 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 we don't want to stay in contact with that experience. And so we avert from it. We either push it away, we withdraw, we shrink, we judge it, we criticize it. Whatever. In this case, fear is we turn away and go in the other direction, if possible. So it is a form of aversion. You could note fear, you could note aversion, you could note the sensations, whatever. Whatever in that package called fear, you know, there's memories, there's thoughts, there's your plan of escape, there's the judgment of it, there's the sensations, there's, you know, memories of similar situations. There's all this stuff happening at once. Whatever's predominant, note that. Like that, yeah. Last question? Okay. 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 Thirty-second instruction on investigation. Hold your hand out like this. All of you, just hold your hand out like this. This is called holding your hand out horizontal. Conceptually, we know this is called holding your hand out horizontally. Now, forget the concept. What does it feel like? If you have to, close your eyes. Let your attention wander through the arm at the shoulder, the biceps, the elbow, the forearm, the wrist, the thumb, the palm, the back of the hand, the, each finger. Carefully feeling the sensations that's going on there. Now very slowly, just begin to move your arm towards the fr in front of you and feel that, the changing sensation. Now, carefully and mindfully, lower it to your lap, feeling the sensations. <laughs> 